If you have your Bible or Bible app, we are going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, if you'd like to read along. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born of the Jews? For we observed his star in the rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, Bring me word so that I may also go and pay homage to him. And when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Let us hear what the Holy Spirit reveals to us on this day. Today we are in our second week of our Divine Details series, and uh, we have this second cosmic event to consider. And it is the Bethlehem star, the thing that leads the wise men to come to see the baby. It's funny because I've been thinking about the wise men all week preparing for today. And yesterday, after my husband and I did construction down at my daughter's farm all day with my brother-in-law, Jay, um, they decided, the guys decided to relax last night by watching the Monty Python's Life of Brian. <laughs> and I had completely forgotten the wise men scene, if you have seen the movie, where they go to the wrong manger, right? <laughs> and so for those of you that are not a fan of Monty Python, um, this funny, this funny movie is about the life of Brian who has this like adjacent life to Jesus. And so in the clip, uh, the uh, wise men uh, are dressed as kings 
and they each have a gift, and they uh, come into the barn, is what it looks like in the movie, and, and there's a babe laying in the manger, and the mom is like, who are you? Get out of here, you crazy people, kind of thing, and they're like, we've come to see the babe, and, uh, <laughs> and she's like, get out of here, get out of here, and they're like, we've brought gold, and she's like, oh yeah, come on in, right? <laughs> and so uh, then they, they're, uh, they're asking her, what are you what are you calling him? And she's like, Brian. <laughs> and they're like, and so they try to tell her that he's going to be the king of everyone. And she's like, what? You're crazy kind of thing. It's just, it's typical money thought python. But so they leave the gifts and they leave the manger. And then like two seconds later, they come running back in and they grab the gifts and they go out of the manger. And it cuts to this scene where there's another uh, barn, and it's glowing, right? Which indicates it's of God, right? So you get this white glowing manger, and they, they go walking over with their gifts to the other babe in the other manger. And so is the premise of the life of Brian. And, uh, and it was just what I needed after the week that we've had, and uh, this whole idea that the wise men who could have come all of that way, right, hundreds of miles, and traveled and followed the star, but when they got there, they couldn't figure out which other uh, barns to go to. Pastor Mark was originally going to preach for you today, and in his sermon, he made the joke that there must have been a woman in the caravan because they stopped and asked Herod for directions, right? <laughs> and so I wanted to share that bit of humor. I can't take credit for it, though. But he is not feeling well, and so um, you get my sermon instead, which included a little Monty Python today. <laughs> so... Um, I want to talk for a second about this idea that this star shines so brightly that it catches the attention of the Magi in the East, and they journey to see where the star will lead them. Uh, we have had this gift this year, I mentioned it last week, of what was they called the Bethlehem star. And I wandered around in my neighborhood getting, trying to get a really good picture of it. And uh, Ron Hoffman sent me a picture he took out at the farm that is gorgeous. Um, and we, Hannah has, I sent it to Hannah to use. And so we'll probably see it this week on social media. Um, but what a beautiful thing that this year, we had the opportunity to have just a small glimpse of what they may have had, that we cast our eyes to the seven, to the heavens to see something that was an anomaly that isn't typical, that isn't always there, right? This unusual glowing something in the sky. I thought how nice it is to imagine what maybe on that first uh, Christmas that, that the wise men could have been following this incredible star. I want to talk for a second about the different names we give the wise men. So we have the kings, we have the magi, we have the wise men. Some people call them astrologers. They have been um, usually people believe they came from the Persian area, that they probably had some kind of gifts like interpreting uh, dreams, magi, lends us to believe they were sort of magicians, uh, typical of uh, 
early humanity that your holy men or your holy uh, leaders, some kind of uh, priestly kind of role in communities would have a little magic, would uh, do some interpretation of dreams, things like that. Um, then we also uh, have people who argue that they are literal kings from other nations. Um, but what everybody agrees on is they were astrologers of some kind, right? Because they're watching the stars. They're paying attention to the heavens. And they notice when something is different. Uh, it's fascinating to me that this uh, story of the wise men is found in Matthew because in our Gospels, Luke is the Gospel that is always including the outsiders, right? He's always making sure we know that Jesus didn't just come from the, for the Jews, but also the Gentiles. But in Matthew, we don't have any shepherds. We don't have the chorus of angels. This divine detail about this particular Gospel has the very first people to come and worship Jesus as the new king to be these strangers who've come a great distance, who after church at Living Water, somebody asked me, were they Jewish? I was like, no, they weren't Jewish, right? So here is Matthew's gospel, the one that wants to make sure that the Jews know that this is the Messiah, but yet he includes these interesting characters that are not Jewish at all, but yet they recognize something that Herod and others clearly don't recognize. It's just, it's something I wanted to make sure that you noticed. Another thing that we see about the wise men is they are often people who are depicted with um, brown or black skin in our nativities as we set them out. They're the only characters, even though most of the people in that part of the world all had brown skin, that seems to be that the people from Persia are the only ones that in our nativities we actually depict that way. And so uh, last week, I talked about the Gospel of John and the story of how he takes the story of Jesus and connects it to the story of creation uh, in the beginning, right? And so we get this uh, beautiful depiction of the incarnation. And this week, we have this incredible story and this star that leads these non-Jewish people who come from such a great distance to this baby that they believe is born a king. They travel for a long time before they get to meet this child. And what's fascinating to me is if they are people of affluence and power and wealth, they walked away from that, you know, in this kind of curiosity and wonder about what's going on. And so when they are given this kind of divinely cosmic clue, they choose to worship the king, to bring him gifts of welcome, and the, the scripture tells us they want to pay homage, or it's translated to bow down, right? That is an incredible choice that they made, that the way they responded to the idea of another king or a new king was with generosity and welcome and curiosity. And so on the way, they stop for directions and they alert Herod to this new baby that has been born and he wants to know how long that star has been in the sky, right? And so Herod uh, hatches this plan. 
Now, I want to talk just for a minute about Herod because Herod uh, in this story is different than the Herod who is present at Jesus' crucifixion. And that's another little detail I want to make sure that you understand. So in, in this story, it's Herod the Great. When Jesus is crucified, it's actually his son, Herod Antipas. And he reigned at that time. But if you open a Bible dictionary, I don't know if you have one of those, but they're awesome and you should get one because you don't have to read every scripture to find out how many Herods there are in the Bible. And so all the different Herods are listed. There's Herod Archelaus, Herod Philip, and there's actually two different kings with the same name, Herod Agrippus which is confusing, right? The, the, those of us who don't keep up with all of those things. They were all very different leaders at different times in history, um, but they all kind of have the same personality. None of them ever made a choice based on what was best for God or God's people. They're all kind of egotistical, self-serving, petty rulers and Herod the Great is so awful that when he hears about the baby, he hatches this plan to, you know, get rid of the baby, have this decree. But not only does he do that, when the wise men decide not to go back and, and tell Herod where to find the baby, in verse 16, later in the Gospel of Matthew, we get this disturbing verse that he decided just to kill all the babies less than two years old, right? That's the type of ruler that we are talking about. He makes a choice to do that rather than risk any potential threat to his power and his leadership. He is so incredibly different than those other kings or those wise men. He chooses fear, fear of losing power, fear of being overthrown as the king. He's motivated by fear. And instead of choosing to bow down or welcome or be generous, he chooses to strike out against what may come. We are not kings, obviously, or rulers, even though we may hold some power and some influence. But I think we have to ask, are we motivated by fear? Do we make our decisions to protect our perceived power and privilege and influence? and financial gain? Or are we like those magi? Are we curious? Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to open up and see potential in something we hadn't imagined? Are we willing to take the things that we truly value and offer them to the one that we say that we follow, the one we call king? I found a wonderful um, paragraph written by a Reverend Naveen Saris, who is a pastor in Wisconsin, and she wrote this about the gifts that the Magi brings. She said, they bring three gifts. Gold is a sign of kingship, long associated with the gods. And frankincense represents wisdom, and myrrh is a sign of long life and healing. Frankincense was and still is a costly incense, and myrrh is like an expensive perfume. These gifts were usually given to a king or a person that had a lot of status. And she gives this wonderful example of the Queen of Sheba who visited King Solomon and gave him precious gifts. This is a quote from 1 Kings 
arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold, and precious stones. The spices that she brought with her just might be frankincense and myrrh. So today we begin this recognition that it is a new season. We're moving out of the 12 days of Christmas and into this season called Epiphany. And in Greek, the definition of the word Epiphany is to uncover or to reveal something. This story or this season comes on the heels of Christmas and then uncovers our hearts and who we worship. As we think about returning or donating or even re-gifting things that people have given us during the season of Christmas, we have to ask ourselves, have we made this holiday about us? Are we so consumed with having more and more things that we do not need? Have we reduced the power and the wonder and the awe and the revealing of God as the King of Kings? down to gift cards and re-gifting and a lot of nothing, right? Most of us have probably taken down our Christmas decorations, but here we are just now celebrating that the wise men finally came. But we prefer to get the wise men and the shepherds and everybody squished in to a nice compact Christmas story together, even if it doesn't match the details of the Holy Scriptures. And so I think we need to take a pause. Let God reveal to us that we have strayed so far from the meaning of Christmas that we are reminded to be curious about the holy, to bow down to something and someone who truly matters. We, I hope, are convicted to offer God the things in our lives that truly matter. Our words, our deeds, our gifts, and yes, even our lives. These are the gifts that God wants from us. Not the things that we tend to make Christmas about. I don't want to name those things because I don't want it to get too personal. And I don't want you to get so distracted by that that you don't hear the important things that I have to say. What does God see when God's eyes are cast upon us during the holidays? What things are revealed about who we are and who we bow down to? What do you think God feels when he wonders why we fail to love our neighbor? Why we fail to listen before we speak? What do you think that God hopes for from us? T.S. Eliot wrote a poem about the three kings, the journey of the Magi. And it's not a warm and fuzzy poem, but it is very interesting because it's written from the first-person perspective of what it was like to be one of those kings. And so it's a little long, but I thought I would share it with you anyway. I want you to think that it's like the voice of someone who made this journey. A cold coming we had of it. It was just the worst time of year for a journey such a long journey. The ways were deep and the weather sharp. 
the very dead of winter, and the camels, galled and sore-footed and refractory, lying down in the melting snow. There were times that we regretted the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces, the silken girls bringing sherbet, and the camel men cursing and grumbling and running away, wanting their liquor and their women, and the night fires going out, and the lack of shelter, and the cities that are hostile, and the towns unfriendly, and the villages dirty and charging us high prices. A hard time we had of it. And at the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears who kept saying, this was all folly. Then at dawn, we came down to a temperate valley, wet below the snow line, smelling of vegetation, with a running stream and a water mill beating the darkness and the trees low in the sky and an old white horse galloping away in the meadow. Then we came to a tavern, an inn, with vine leaves over the lintel, six hands at the open door, dicing for pieces of silver, and feet kicking empty wineskins. But there was no information, so we continued. And arriving at evening, not a moment too soon, finding the place, it was, you might say, satisfactory. All this was a long time ago, I remember, and I would do it again. But set down, this set down, this we were led all that way for birth or death. There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence, no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought that this was different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We returned to our palaces, these kingdoms, but we were no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with the alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. Isn't that interesting? That once they had made the journey, had met the Christ child, that it changed everything for them. These kings returned home and they never viewed their world again in the same way. Things that they valued and loved seemed trivial and insignificant. The old had died to them and they yearned for what Jesus would offer the world. Isn't that beautiful? So maybe we come to Epiphany every year because it reveals our hearts to us. It reminds us that as the people of God, Christ people, that we are to shed the things of old, that we are to stop bow down to the things that are about us, and that maybe, just maybe, will remember the one who truly matters. And that will change everything. Amen.